0: Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. We're here along with other experts and real people with real stories to help you navigate life after separation. Whether you're newly separated or divorced and co-parenting, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hello and welcome to another episode of Split, the After Ever After podcast. You are with myself, Ashley Wood, a certified divorce coach and my lovely co-host. Thank you. I am Jennifer Sanders.
1: I am a family law mediator. How are you, my friend? I am good. I About five minutes before we started taping today, my neighbors began to cut down a tree uh, right outside my window, so that's... <laughs> helpful I'm not sure if our listeners can hear that but yeah my neighbor texted we're gonna cut a tree down <laughs> I was like, right, uh, perfect yeah. <laughs> helpful, yeah so um yeah fall is upon us and um I guess they've chosen this time to yeah make it happen oh, anyway yeah <laughs> we were joking with with fall coming as a new term that I've learned which is cuffing season that people are looking to like if they're not all ready to pair up for the yeah. cold Canadian winter. Coming. And I had never heard of this. Yeah. But it makes sense. Yeah. Well, I knew I had a friend last year who this time last year was like, she was single, new, fairly newly single and, and was quite, she she was like quite anxious to to find someone to, to, care couple, to couple up. Yeah. <laughs> especially because we knew lockdowns were coming right so it was like okay I need someone to like Netflix and all this stuff with so oh God, yeah wow. yeah and I posted a story on my Instagram that um I actually had several calls this week of people they're moving in and so they were they were wanting to do a cohabitation agreement um for the eventuality of becoming common law to protect themselves. So I think people are, it is cupping season.
0: Oh. Do you think that that has anything to do with like um, holiday season, like Christmas and these big events that will either remind us of how great our connection is or how alone we are? <laughs> oh yeah. That was a tough, eh? I yeah.
1: don't know. Or it's just, I think maybe, I don't know. I feel like there is more pressure with just the sheer, like being in Canada, it's cold. You spend more time inside. You get yeah. <laughs> like, it's more lonely. Yeah. Um, and then I think after, did we go through one winter of lockdowns or two? We only went through one winter so far of lockdowns, right? I've like lost track of the years. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of, I guess, cause it, yeah. Pandemic really started like March of 2020. Mm-hmm. So we were like coming out of it. I think last year for a lot of single people was really dire, like being alone, uh, like truly alone during mm-hmm. um, the winter and lockdown. So I feel like there's more pressure now to like have someone <laughs> for Yeah, the- be prepared the second time around you know there's like the cold dark winter we're all going into our igloos or something like that for oh my god for yeah season. yeah but they're protecting themselves with uh yeah legal agreements so
0: that's good that's a yeah. that's a plus yeah exactly so, I thought so that was kind of are these are these like previous clients like, do you get a lot of them previous, like clients that you mediated, help them mediate their divorce and then they come back to you with their new partner. And they're like, I learned my lesson <laughs> last time. So Jennifer set me up
1: <laughs> with the new person. Yeah. These weren't, but that would be cool. I do get returning clients. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've yet had that situation. Yeah. Where I helped mediate with the other with the first partner and now they're yeah moving in with the second partner no I haven't had that yet but that would be really good I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for that to happen yeah (laughs) yeah for sure like yeah I do tell any of my single friends and myself but like you have to like people just don't understand I talk to enough people who are faced with the reality of how much they're gonna have to divide their property and how things are considered joint property that uh yeah you need an agreement if you're if you're gonna become common law we should do another episode about that we am just law. gonna say yeah we we should do that okay we'll do that yeah common this law would be a really good topic because there's lots of misconceptions about it so yeah. yeah so who are we talking to today you have known this person for longer than than I have
0: yeah so I've we are your content we are speaking with Dara Bergeron and she is the uh, owner creator of <clears throat> Belly Boot Camp um and she also runs the Mama Reset so she's I uh, I I don't want to say personal trainer I think she's more of a like health coach right, uh, or a, a training coach. Um, but she, yes, is absolutely lovely. We met over Instagram and she talks about this a little bit in the episode. Um, but she had DM would me early on in our, like when we had just met over Instagram and said, I haven't announced, like, I haven't told anybody about um, my recent separation yet, uh, yeah. but I've been following your account and I just like want to thank you for the support and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of kept talking from there and she oh, talks. That. Yeah, it was really, really neat. And then um, like, since she's, you know, opened up about her divorce and uh single mom life on Instagram, we've just kind of seen how our world's kind of Collide uh, in a variety of ways, so we thought that today would be a great uh, opportunity to just talk about the importance of um, health and exercise and what what healthy exercise looks like um, in your everyday life, and then also the importance of that during a stressful time, like separation course. Yeah. And, and yeah. uh, we touch on a lot in this episode. Yeah. It's really in depth. We, we go through a lot of things
1: for sure that I wasn't expecting, which is great. And yeah, I think all of our clients and probably most of our listeners are in the most stressful time of their entire life. So it's, yeah,
0: it's this, <laughs> this is not like really
1: right. No one <laughs> sails through a separation. No one, even if they're the ones uh, initiating it, it's always stressful. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think really, really important. I think we should do yeah more topics about care and health and that sort of thing, because it is a really important thing that a lot of people neglect. So they just don't realize that they're in a bad way, basically, right? And that they need yeah. to look at that part of their life, too.
0: And, and we talk about this as well in the episode. So I'll just wrap it up quickly here, but the importance of working with the right people Mm -hmm. and um, people who are going to be attuned to your particular needs and what makes sense for you and your lifestyle and the way that you want to live your life. And they're not just, you know, pushing what, what works for them are their own biases their
1: program yeah yeah, their program exactly. and
0: Dara is so like structured they her programs are really structured around that what is best for the individual and what's going to support them in their health and and allow them to have um you know a happier healthier life so it's pretty neat right yeah great interview all right so enjoy this episode with dara bergeron really happy to have you on. I know we've been friends over Instagram for quite some time and just really happy to connect and have you uh, chat with us and share your wealth of knowledge with our listeners. Um, the first thing that I wanted to ask you about um, has to do with the how we define good health. Um, Because I feel like that is described in a variety of ways over social media by influencers and by health and wellness experts. And I also think that that definition can really impact how we feel about ourselves um, as a self, and then also like our confidence and how we are able to show up in our relationships. So, can you talk a little bit about how you would define good health and yeah. what your thoughts are, and how that can you know affect how we are with other people in our lives?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question, and it's it's funny because no one asks me what health is, everyone asks me what fitness is.
0: Yeah. Um, so, mm.
2: um, so I would define health as um, really individual and relative to what one's experiences and what their abilities to feel healthful are. And so we know in ourselves, I think in an intuitive way, when, as if, especially if we're paying attention, when we don't feel healthy. And that might be um, in a physical sense, of course, we're kind of, we're very receptive to those very clear like pain signals, um, illness signals, you know, those are very loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I think where we don't do so well in our culture specifically, um, which is the only one I can speak to, uh, is in registering those signals of mental illness, or mental not, be- not well-being, let's say that. I think mm-hmm. that when we say the term mental illness, people go right to like the most se- severe, Um, forms of mental illness, but I mean, any kind of, you know, signs the body is trying to give us that there is an absence of health in that way. And what's really interesting about the way that we view, you know, medicine and well-being and health and fitness is we tend to sort of try to divide the brain and the body in our culture as if they have separate pathways or, you know, they're separately contained units and they're really not. And so a lot of the same signals that the body will register to physical stress are what the body will give when it's facing emotional and and mental stress. It's the same kind of feedback loop. And so anytime that something's off, I think we have the opportunity to look at what in our lives is not causing is not promoting health. Um, And in the context of this conversation, this you didn't ask this, but I remember when I knew I needed to leave my marriage, I was walking through the upstairs hallway in our home, which had stopped feeling like my home in a weird way. I just it just didn't feel like my home. I knew it was not going to be my home Mm -hmm. forever. And I had this very clear feeling in the most random moment if I stay here, I'm going to die younger. I'm going to be ill younger. Yeah. I'm gonna be mentally ill, I'm gonna be physically ill, and this is gonna come down on me. And that was, to me, was my intuition of my body and my brain, the whole, my whole being going, whoa. Yeah. This is not about whether you're working out, whether you're drinking wine, whether you're getting enough sleep. That's not about that. You need to get out of this. Your health is threatened here. And that was a really interesting moment for me in, in terms of like, um, having that deep knowing when something was making me unwell and it wasn't just about the physical, of course there's physical, when you're stressed, you, you know, it's hard to sleep or maybe you, you drink too much, you drink too much coffee or whatever you do, but it was very like, whole being like oh my gosh this can't continue I'm I'm threatened so to me I think that's a great example in this context of that knowing that you're not well where you are
1: yeah and I think that we we've been talking about the mental and physical and I know like our body does give us so many physical cues when it is unwell that I think we've kind of just accept it as normal so Mm -hmm. for me a big one is like that nervous feeling of anxiety or feeling jittery um, maybe not having an appetite one day because of stress not yeah just going for weeks on end on very very little sleep and I think we just kind of lump it in oh I'm busy I'm stressed but I think our body is you know screaming to us in very very tangible ways sometimes that things are are not healthy are not right.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's true when you, as we were saying, kind of the beginning, there's no, that framework is individual to you. So someone who lives right. with chronic pain is going to experience the feeling of healthfulness in a different way than someone who's, you know, a 20 year old gymnast or something, you know? Um, so it's really relative to what are the normal benchmarks in your life and where's your radar for when it's dipped below or, or maybe you get moments where you feel really great and helpful, you know? So, yeah that is an individual experience.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important that, uh, I mean, we talk about this with every expert that we have on the show that you work with the right people because you don't know what you don't know. And like you were saying, Jennifer, like if sometimes you just become so accustomed to, um, what is, Really not ideal that you're just used to it, and yeah. and it takes meeting with somebody to be like, well, I think we should be making some adjustments here because yeah, yeah. this is not thriving. Oh, you are right. like barely surviving. So yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. And it's I like when do... you've got a. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. <laughs>
2: no, I would say it's like when you've got a cold for like six weeks, and yeah, you forget yeah. what it's like to feel normal, and then you're all of a sudden it goes away, and you're like, right, this is what it yeah. feels like to have an absence of illness. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say I have. It's not uncommon that when I meet with clients, they they'll often say, "Oh, yeah, I've lost like thirty pounds just from straps, mm-hmm. right? They're not eating, mm-hmm. they're not sleeping, and they just sort of roll with it, like, okay, I'll just deal with it." But yeah, it's obviously a really uh, unhealthy place to be it's in. Eleven o'clock.
2: Mm-hmm. And those, I mean, weight changes like that that are dramatic and are not necessarily tied to any n- known illness um whether it's gain or a loss or a really big red flag Mm -hmm. um that there's something going on and as you were saying like that's a classic example of the root not being a physical problem I mean in the case of someone who's going through mediation separation or like maybe as someone who is just thinking and wishing they could do they could leave you know and there's that kind of stress um the the problem is not physical but the manifestation that's most obvious could be you know Um, the physical things like change in weight or change in even, um, gosh, I can't tell you how important, like how much the emotional side of our lives feeds back into things like muscular tension and tissue tension, right? And um, even pelvic floor function, all these things, because we have these very visceral reactions to stress. And so sometimes we may not, as you said, we may kind of be like a frog in water, kind of we're coping, we're coping, we're coping, we're coping. And we get up to sort of a critical mass point where we're all of a sudden we're like, gosh, why am I, I'm leaking when I run all of a sudden. And I'm, I got neck pain when I wake up in the morning. And did anything else change? Probably not really, but is our body finding like, it's, it's perceives a threat. And so it finds, um, you know, physical and emotional ways of numbing, tensing, finding ways to to push off the threat it perceives, right?
0: So, right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. My shoulders and neck when I'm going through stress, I like I get chronic headaches and it's yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm walking around like this, like just totally. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. bad. Totally. So, okay. Can we talk a bit about belly Boot Camp and the mama reset? Um, I love your approach to fitness. Can we just talk about, um, you know, what led you to create these amazing programs? What, what you're doing that's different and, uh, yeah, a little bit about who you are. Okay. That's great. So I'll try to keep it pretty short. I have
2: been in the fitness industry since I was about 19. Um, and I came from a place at, like I would hazard a guess that most trainers have come this way, which is through a a place of disordered relationship with exercise and nutrition, a lot of us anyways. And so I was, I turned my sort of passion for, you know, manipulating my body, which came, started as a genuine desire to get healthy and, you know, um, and then became a little disordered as I, as I got into it. Uh, I started training as a side job. I was going to school. Um, I was going was, was to go to law school. That was the plan. Um, it had been the plan forever. And I started doing training as a part-time job. And then as the years went by, I realized this was something I was good at. And I was told by all my lawyer friends, it was like the worst possible career choice <laughs> <laughs> um and they're like keep doing what you're doing and I and I um and then I got pregnant and that and that made my decision for me. And so I've been a trainer for so 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 long but when I had my first baby and then um about 12 years ago when I got pregnant the second time it really started to zero in on working with moms. And that started on a local level um starting a couple of classes I was training clients one on one. Um I had been working in a medical clinic and so I had some connections in the city and I um, in Toronto where I was from and I um, started some local classes for prenatal and postnatal mothers and um, at the time my goal was just to offer really good quality strength training because when I looked around and we can still see this to a certain extent although it's not as bad as it was when I looked around at what was being offered to mothers it had been very dumbed down very like pink and blue. I call it like pink and blue like it was just there was no effort put into keeping it up to the standards of science and, and even trends, you know, in the industry. So people were still like great signing, you know, in like 2007, eight, nine, 10, you know, um, and it was just kind of like, just like, you know, stagnant, part of the the industry and I thought well you know what I really want is strength training and so I'm going to do it and that's how belly boot camp started and then we expanded across the sort of Toronto area and went online Um, and so that's been around since 2009 and Mama Reset is actually a co- Um, creation with one of my oldest trainer friends who is also a Toronto-based trainer. She specializes in yoga and Pilates. So we took our two, my focus in strength and conditioning and her focus in yoga and Pilates, and we combined them into a really body-neutral um, online programs for moms. Um, our focus is very much around function and that includes a heavy emphasis on core and pelvic floor awareness and engagement. That doesn't mean we're doing mat work, but it's really important um, to be aware of how, when we come back to that, that concept of, um, you know, what is health, right? And when we know what our body feels like, maybe we don't know what it feels like when it's at the pinnacle of health, but we certainly have a baseline that we're familiar with and that should include some awareness around how our joints function, how our core and pelvic floor functions and what kinds of movements are in our day-to-day life, like picking up our kids, getting them in and out of a car seat, you know, um, those kinds of things. So we really try to focus on using mom's time wisely because it's got to be efficient for a mom. And, And then the next most important thing to me, aside from the function of the workout itself and it being relevant to your life is that it includes zero diet culture framing. So I am staunchly against any fat loss coaching. And that wasn't always the case, but in, since becoming a mother, and especially in the last five to eight years, um, we've removed all references to any body shape, body size. And in fact, we go the opposite way. We just want moms to come as they are. And to realize that what Comes from movement are so many wonderful benefits, um, and that whatever outcome happens in terms of aesthetics or body size or shape is really just a byproduct. That's not what we're what we're shooting for with our programs. That's for sure.
1: I love that so much because I think <laughs> that really is our indicator in our society of health is just size. If you're mm-hmm, a God. larger size, you're not healthy. If you're a small size, yeah. you are. Well, and that's like,
2: as a technician, that infuriates me because, (laughs) because it's not accurate. No. And so Mm -hmm. this is the, the, what we try to do is the very first step in our, in our approach is to try to debunk these lies that women have been sold because it's really hard to convince a mom to just start with 10 minutes. We're experts at like just getting people started. And if I say to you, just start with 10 minutes, immediately here comes diet Debbie in the back of your head. Like that's not gonna do anything. That's Mm -hmm. not worth it. And then what happens is nothing happens, right? Or if something happens, it happens infrequently or too hard and you get exhausted or injured. And so what we really need to do first is convince women to understand that the research says exercise is not effective for fat loss it's certainly not, um, it may be included, um, like some people find it effective for weight maintenance, not to get too far into the research here, but it's not effective for fat loss. And so if we understand that and we can actually, that's a hard thing to accept. So it takes a while. Like you got to hear that lots of times before it starts to undo all the conditioning you've had that said, you should do this, that, or that, to look like this person. And that's hundred percent, not true. We have tons of, um, evidence to prove that. So if we can get them to accept that, then we can get them to see that if it's not going to provide them with the change in their body shape necessarily, then why are they doing it? And why are you really doing it? Well, we come to the place of health again, of well-being Um, and absence of pain, um, feeling of comfort in your body, of being knowledgeable about what your body can and can't handle, yes i can run and play soccer with my kid but i can't jump on the trampoline yet or i can you know that kind of that's empowerment right and that leads lets me um see the purpose of exercise in my life and see that any minute i can devote to it is moving me towards a more meaningful life and better relationship with my body and i can let go of all gradually let go of all the years that i was told that i need to run to become skinny and i wonder like why am i still the only runner who's not skinny or you know like i need to go to boot camp or whatever so so it's a long process but it's um it's the my favorite part of this work is having people go like ah, oh, i get it i actually want to exercise now and i see that 10 minutes 15 minutes 40 minutes whatever i have is worth it
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow i love that i It's really complicated because like as a coach, when I'm working with people, I will hear quite often and often from women like, you know, I want to get back out there, but I got to lose however much weight I got to hit the gym and it's like. Yes, movement is important and feeling good about yourself and having good self worth also important but we need to be taking like the proper steps to get there and you don't have to be a certain weight or look a certain way to feel good about yourself and I think a lot of people you know, once they'll work and work, and even if they achieve that goal, that doesn't necessarily mean that they really love who they are and their core mm-hmm. level anymore. And they're not actually addressing the issues that are causing them to repeat these unhealthy relationship cycles. So I love that with what you do, you're focusing on like functional fitness and this overall sense of health and wellness and well-being it's so important I agree I think that like
1: I see the way that women talk about exercise so much it's not about self-care so we don't say to ourselves well yeah I deserve this 10 or 15 minute walk not because it's going to make me lose weight or you know, mm-hmm. I'll get rid of cellulite, whatever stupid thing, but just yeah, for my mental well being or because it makes me feel good or I want to do it. I think we mm-hmm. have this transactional view of it, right? That I have to do it in order to get, you know, from point A to point B to something
0: earn like something. Yeah. Earn yeah. yeah. Good yeah. word.
1: Yeah. We got to earn something. Earning a single
0: meal. Yeah. You had learning. a great post um, on Instagram a little while ago where you actually had like these common things that you hear. And it was like, well, I had nachos, so I'm going to have to do a double workout tomorrow. And I was yes, like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes that's
2: yes. it. <laughs> all from personal experience, my friends, all yeah. from personal experience. These are really common thoughts. So what I find one of the wonderful things about social media, and I'm 110% sure this is the same for your industry, is the connection and the way it it, it has the power, social media, if we're honest and vulnerable, to create a feeling of not being alone, you know, yeah. of, of connection and sameness in a beautiful way, I mean, um, so we can honor our differences. But it, many of us, especially when it comes to these like traumatic or disordered thought patterns, we are all inheriting, we are breathing the same toxic air. We are all inheriting the same generational patterns, the same media. And so when we say out loud, you know, um, these thoughts, like, you know, and you, Ashley, you share so many of these, you know, like through your reels and stuff. And there's, it's so powerful because you think, wow, I had no idea that this was something everyone else was experiencing. But if everyone else is experiencing it, then it means it's not something wrong with me. And there might be a path away from it that Mm -hmm. others have already found. And so to me, that's like the power of social media when it's used well. Um, And that's what I love doing is exposing those, you know, having people having those aha moments, whether it's about, the way their ankles move or their back pain or it's about the way that they think about exercise and, and food and, and their life. When you come back to that um, concept of self-care though, I think where we get stuck when you're, um, you mentioned going, trying to, to make time to go for a walk and how we struggle to give ourselves that gift. Um, it can be really difficult to get to that place of seeing exercise as a gift or a source of pleasure. And for the average person who's having difficulty fitting movement into their life at all, it's unrealistic to ask them to experience pleasure in the conceptualization of exercise because the truth is exercise when you haven't been doing it regularly is not always joyful. And to pretend so is ridiculous. You know, if you haven't been exercising at all, you're going to feel stiff. You know, you may have some soreness the next day. You may be out of breath. You may feel a little uncomfortable in your body because you haven't been engaging with it regularly. So the way that I like to think about um, self-care, I don't use that term anymore for myself. It stopped resonating at some point, maybe just because it got so overused on social. I don't know. But for me, it's self-parenting. And that is a completely Mm. different flavor so when I think about um, taking that 15 minute walk and I know there's value in that, even if it's just getting up from my computer, I know there's value in it. I can accept it's not about burning calories. I can accept it's not gonna, I'm not gonna get a cardio workout from 15 minute walk, maybe the average person, but I know there's value in doing that movement. So can I parent myself around that? Can I, the same way I would make sure my child got enough physical activity a day or had enough food but I parent myself around that instead of looking at it as a treat, look at it as, um, an, uh, I don't want to say obligation, <laughs> but, no, but yeah, some I dis- like the term hygiene. Yeah. yeah that's like good. A yeah. Kind of hygiene.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's something that you're it's, 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 There's discipline involved, but it is for your, yeah.
2: yeah for But your loving own. discipline. It's that's the thing yeah. about parenting yourself. It's loving discipline, which mm-hmm. means if there's a day that I don't feel well, I don't have to walk. Right. Right. But if I feel well enough, I can be real with myself and I can have that trust and say, I do feel well enough, but I'm really stressing out about this or that, or the other, or I'm feeling lethargic, you know, and I can say, okay, well, remember Dara, when you get out there, you're not going to feel tired. You're going to feel better. And I just, it's that, like you said, it's that loving, you know, guidance. Right.
1: Right. And I think that's so relevant to our audience and our clients that we work with because people are typically in that stage in their life when They haven't been parenting themselves well, whether because they've sort of lost themselves in their relationship or the stress of what they're going through. And so it is just even opening their eyes to what they, what the new possibilities are and the new dynamic they're going to be in, maybe extra time they're going to have to themselves because now they're going to be co-parenting. So I think it is really important part.
2: I agree.
0: Do you see a lot of um, like divorcees or newly separated women come to your program as part of their like post-divorce care? No, not
2: yet. But I do expect that the more I talk publicly about it, the more I will probably naturally attract people who feel seen um, yeah. by my open discussion of my separation. What I have found really interesting in the last year, because it's only been just over a year since I left my marriage, yeah. is how um, myopic I was in terms of, you know, viewing what motherhood is like only through a, a partnered perspective. Mm-hmm. And so in the same ways that I'm always sort of examining where are my, um, where are my not seeing, you know, the dark corners, right? So, uh, and, 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 the, and the, the experiences, the lived experiences that I as like an able-bodied, you know, middle-class white woman cannot relate to. I have to um, be, make myself aware of them. And so this has been a really fast kind of turnaround of like, whoa, I have to remember I'm talking to, maybe, I don't know what the statistics are. Maybe you do, but like, I don't know, one out of four, one out of five, it's, it's gotta be fairly high who are either thinking about it getting ready for it, have done it, have done it and are remarried or whatever. So I'm very aware now in my writing of saying, if you're partnered, and it's not about making myself feel comfortable because I'm comfortable in my decision. It's about realizing there's this whole other lived experience in motherhood of co-parenting or being a single mother. And that does change your ability um, or the strategies you need to use to parent yourself because that's not, we don't have the same examples that um, partnered women have um, in terms of their, how they structure their time or the same role models that partnered women have. So it's so important for those of us who are living through it and who have lived through it to be those role models and say, look, this is how I do it. And I do it like this now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't have to be loaded. It's just, this is how it is. And this is how I do it. You know. Yeah.
0: I really appreciate those. Um, you've done like several of them now where you do open up about your own experience on your account. Um, because I'm sure there are so many people following you who, if they're not divorced already, like you said, are considering it and have a lot of guilt about that decision and breaking up their family or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they're telling themselves and, um, and to just also have you as a role model of like, of somebody who says, hey, you know, I don't always get it 100% right, but I'm doing my best and I'm loving myself the best I can throughout this whole journey. It's so powerful and awesome. So yeah, I just want oh, to acknowledge so nice. that. <laughs> yes. I it's, it's so great. awkward sometimes.
2: <laughs> it is <laughs> so <awkward. laughs> you, you know, you get known for one thing. And but I I when I I went um quickly on Instagram before we jumped on and just said, oh I were talking to my friend Ashley and that I said you were I think you were the first like official out there divorce account that I ever followed. But for a couple of years before that, and I think I told you this back when I first left that I had been lurking. Like yeah. I was like lurk, lurking on all, <laughs> and I'm like, nah. but now I know. So we, you know, we were talking about like all those like idiosyncrasies that we think are just us. And I'm like, I know there's, I walk around now and I'm like, I bet you she wants to get divorced. And I'm like, I yes. bet you she wants to get divorced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and I, now I realized there's so many women out there lurking or people out there lurking. They don't need to be yeah. women. It's just, they're, if they're coming to my account, they're probably women, but mm-hmm. there's so many women out there lurking and looking for some, what I was waiting for for so long, which was so powerful for me when I saw your account, Ashley and or a couple of others, but not many, to be honest, which is the shocking part of this as someone who is you know, fairly aware in terms of we've coming, we're coming slowly um, into a better place in terms of equity and social justice. But the stigma that still exists around single motherhood and divorce um, is so huge. And so it's important to see people who, look like you and maybe have similar, a similar life. Um, and who are saying openly, yeah, this is what I did. Um, because I think, unfortunately, until we get more of that, there's still going to be this placeholder image of, um, separation and divorce necessarily means a broken person, you know, trashy person, um, you know, a lesser mom, a lesser status, whatever these things are that are rolled up in separation, particularly for the female who's separated, not the not the
0: male. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think when people say, I just don't know, should I stay or should I go? I think they almost always know what they want to do, but they're scared to honor that decision because they, they don't feel they're looking for permission. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're also fearful of how it's going to disrupt their entire life. Um, so yeah, I, I hope, you know, I think we're doing our best, even with this podcast, just to give as much free information and resources Mm -hmm. as possible. So people can make informed choices and then can also connect with professionals like you who can help support them, have this all encompassing, you know, sense of, of good health. Um, How can, I know we touched on this just briefly when we were talking about um, fitting in, you know, maybe a 15 minute walk, if that's all Mm -hmm. that you really have the capacity for at at that point, but how can busy Mm -hmm. single parents and in particular busy single moms incorporate exercise if they, if it's something that they, that they want to incorporate into their daily life and their daily routine? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll
2: reference my own kind of schedule and, um, and assume that most people are probably doing some kind of co-parenting if they're separated, if they have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are a lot of um, kind of myths out there about how exercise works, which we can internalize and can keep us frozen um, in, in feeling like if we don't do it perfectly, there's no point in doing it at all. And here's one that pops up, which is it's sort of random, but a lot of people have this misconception that if you don't do it really consistently through the week, Um, or if you don't do it every day, or if you don't do it a certain number of days per week, that there's no sense in doing it at all. And you may not consciously have that feeling, but subconsciously, or in the ways that we like sabotage ourselves or stay kind of in the same rut that's conveniently, you know, we've already built for ourselves. Um, we may think maybe it gets to, you know, Thursday and we haven't done anything yet. And we go, ah, what's the point? Yeah. I'll just wait for Monday as if Monday. Yeah. I know. As if your body has any idea what day of the week it is or how a calendar works. Um, All your body knows is has it been getting enough variety um, and enough challenge to cope with variety and challenge when we need it. So Uh that can happen in little doses. And the other thing that can happen is it can be kind of like stockpiled to the days when you have less on your plate. So in terms of a co-parent, that might mean that like the two or three days a week or whatever it is, that you aren't with your kids, you have more energy, more focus, more physical wherewithal and mental to do a full workout. Right. And maybe on the days when you have your kids, that looks more like intentional movement with your children. And that could be just dance wrestling. It could be going for a walk after dinner. It doesn't have to be in the same way you wouldn't necessitate that your child has a certain kind of movement every day, you could just experience movement with your child. And that might mean some days there's not very much movement at all. But another thing I think moms get caught up in is that they don't appreciate the amount of physical labor that's already involved in their day-to-day life. Yeah. And as a co-parent, <laughs> being the only adult responsible for a household, even if those kids are gone a few days a week, it, the, the amount of physical labor when you're still putting in laundry everyone's been there at least every separated parent has been there you're like still putting the laundry in at 11 p.m you know what I mean that you have to take stock of what you're already doing and be realistic about what does your body need on top of that and I'm gonna be bet that for the average mom it doesn't need a 60 minute run it doesn't need a 40 minute h. you know intensity or pardon me, like interval workout. Um, It doesn't need a CrossFit class, maybe, maybe one day, but probably not when you're in the thick of it. And so we, if we can register in our body when it's asking for movement by kind of pinging us with a little neck pain or a little back pain or a little lethargy. And we and the amazing thing about movement is the more we do, the more we crave it and want it. And we build those feedback cycles. So it can be a little hard to get started but it's perfectly okay to do the amount and the type of exercise that feels okay for you. And for that to vary by day by day, week by week, season by season, that's a normal human thing to do. And if we can detach our movement from our concept of our body looking good enough or not good enough, then it's much easier to see the opportunities and be like, Um, you know, when it's 11 o'clock, not having any guilt about the fact that you didn't do a workout that day, because you're still doing manual labor at 11 o'clock. I don't think construction workers leave the job site and go, I should go to a CrossFit class, but because we've been so, we've been so conditioned as women to think that we need to perform and that the best way that we can perform is to manipulate our bodies, to appear marketable to men, then that that's got to be undone first. And that takes a lot of listening to people like me talk. It takes a lot of looking at who it is you're exposing yourself to in social media and your friend circle and getting realistic about maybe using a coach, if that's available to you, or a lower cost coaching program, like a membership or something like that, um, where you have a little bit of support, a place to ask questions, and hopefully a community or a coach that is, understands what are the unique challenges of motherhood, if not single motherhood, at least motherhood. And that Most of us really need to focus on things like core, mobility, strength training, not a ton of cardio intervals or beating ourselves under the ground. You know, we need a strong core so we can, we can react quickly, you know, when a kid is going to punch another kid or we need, you know, (laughs) we need compound movements so we can get a preschooler out of a car seat up without wrenching our backs. We need a little bit of endurance um, to get through those days when it's laundry at 11 p.m. But we also need sleep. We need regular meals and we need water and we need emotional support and we need a social life. And the idea that exercise is the be all and end all of our well-being, even the way that our tissues function is is so um, uniquely disordered in our society. So many places around the world that have a much better, more holistic concept of health than we do. But it's something we're still kind of, I think we're just starting to have these conversations over here. You know, we're just starting to say, you know, what would happen to my body if I, if I stopped doing cardio five days a week and I, you know, did a little mobility work and I did a yoga class once a week on zoom or whatever. So my hope is that more women start to appreciate that they're already getting a lot of those physical demands in their day-to-day life. And they don't need to hold themselves on the hook for some kind of perfect exercise program Um, if they're not professional athletes, what are you training for? You should be training, hopefully for absence of pain function in your day-to-day life and a feeling of confidence in your body. And that will include some tendencies or, um, preferences in terms of what kinds of exercise you like to do. Do you like to run? Do you like to walk? Do you like to do strength training or do you prefer to do yoga with bands? You know, so there is definitely personal variation, um, but really like, It's that absence of pain, that absence of illness. That is the most motivating thing, even above, perhaps, I hope, even above um, appearance. So to be careful not to go so far the other way that we're causing pain and dysfunction because we're trying to pursue an exercise program that's adding on more than we really need.
0: Exactly. And at, especially during separation or divorce, or even Mm -hmm. if you're in a high conflict co-parenting situation, or even just the regular co-parenting and single parenting life, there is, you're so mentally and physically exhausted so much of the time, like that is draining. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm a big advocate for, you know, trying to have a sense of routine and structure in your life when things are particularly chaotic, like Mm -hmm. rest is so important. And I've Mm -hmm. really found myself trying to rest more, make more time for rest since, especially since we connected on social media, it's something that I think about a lot before, I go to exercise now. Like yesterday I thought about going to the gym and we just had like, kind of, I was talking to Jen about this the other day. We've kind of had a shit show the past two weeks. And (laughs) I was like, why? Like, yeah, that's my regular routine, but like, why, why don't I just go enjoy the sun? I went for a 20 minute walk and like, and I felt better. And that was good. That's what I needed. That's, and, Mm -hmm. and like leaning into what you really need to feel good overall, not just this sense of like, I need to look a certain way or whatever. Yeah. Totally. There's like
2: some, I, I think of it almost like exposure therapy too. So um, at various points in my like recovery from disordered eating and exercise abuse and, and, and there has been, there have been, I haven't talked a lot about this publicly, but here you go. Um, there've definitely been periods of substance abuse in my to adult life, which have commingled with my eating disorder in very interesting ways. And that's a very common experience, whether that's a nightly couple of glasses of wine or something that needs to be treated medically. It's very common to have those things woven together. Um, and so there's been periods where I have completely backed off exercise entirely and just t- had to take a break. Um, and I think that that can be a powerful thing to do to give yourself that gift of just take that right off your plate. Yeah. If you wake up on the weekend and you're like, I'm going to go for a hike. Great. Go for a hike. If a girlfriend says, let's go to yoga. Great. Go to yoga. You know, um, if you have the wherewith or that, you know, the means to hire a coach and you have someone to keep you on track, fantastic. Do whatever is the bare minimum that you and your coach have agreed on at that time. But the truth of the matter is most of us are like holding that obligation of regular exercise and not fulfilling it. So what we're doing is living in this terribly gray area of not aligning with our values, but still holding this obligation over our heads every single day. And then we don't do the work of planning and putting in place the steps or getting, reaching out for the coaching to make it a part of our regular lives in a sustainable way. So instead we just wake up and I I wager guess that the average woman wakes up thinking about it from the minute she gets up to the minute she goes to bed. And if it gets done, then great. For the day, it's, she can stop thinking about it. But if it doesn't get done, it just becomes this dark cloud. Um, and because that concept of exercise is still woven so deeply together with body image and our belief that our value as women is in our appearance, um, that's a big, heavy crowd. That's not yeah. like I didn't floss my teeth last night. Yeah, that is like that is like I am not worthy as a human. Because my worth as a human is still attached to, you know, how I appear to men, or whether I seem like I'm trying hard enough to be in shape, or whatever, right? Well, so and I think loaded. that that
1: cloud—it's a cloud that for a lot of people, it's over them for twenty or thirty years, right? Or exactly. their life, like, ev- like yeah. they think about it every single day, every like hour of the day, Re- literally, like yeah. every meal mm-hmm. you sit down to eat, every day you yes. go to sleep, yes. Like, it's a constant thing
2: yes and so that that's the power of just getting started so at mama reset belly boot camp is a we do prenatal and postnatal. So that's uh, safe training at those stages of life, meeting other moms, having a trainer who's been there. There's a very specific purpose for that. And mom Marie said our programs are not geared specifically towards prenatal and postnatal, but just to motherhood in general. A lot of our moms have school age kids. And we even have some grandmas. Um, but But what we really excel at is getting people started. Because once you get started, all of a sudden that cloud is gone. It's gone. It's instantly gone. And this is when you think about the exposure therapy, I was saying, and I didn't come around to it, sorry, but I think because we still have that idea that exercise will change the way that our body looks, we, we need some practice, not exercising, sometimes taking a break and seeing that it doesn't dramatically change the way that our bodies look. And we need some practice, trying different kinds of movement than maybe the ones that we've only ever allowed ourselves because we were led to believe that they were effective at burning fat. So if we've only ever done Peloton, or we've only ever been a runner, or we've only ever done high intensity intervals or whatever, you know, what there's a lot of power in kind of debunking those um, beliefs in exposing yourself to a different way and then waiting and seeing what happens to your body in a similar way that one would approach, um, exposing yourself to different kinds of foods. If you're recovering from eating disorder, I think a lot of women are living with a very low level exercise and eating disorders. And it's just like our baseline is disordered. And so there is a little bit of, um, discomfort and trust involved. And that's where a coach is so valuable in doing the hard things in the beginning, that feels scary because we're letting, we're, we're deciding to stop imposing a certain framework and start negotiating with our bodies, um, and building a relationship there. So there's a, it's hard. I'll say it's not easy. That's why it's so well done in community or with coaching or both. Right.
0: Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's really important to work with somebody like you, who is knowledgeable about these things and some red flag, behavior, um, particularly when it comes to eating disorders. I'm in recovery as well. Um, So, which I only have spoken about a handful of times on social media, but mm-hmm. every time I'm, I'm, it's something that's obviously really personal. Uh, I mean, all yeah. my stuff is pretty personal, uh, that's yeah. on but you're that. used
2: to talking about one thing. I'm and used then... to
0: talking about that. Yeah. And, and I still have some shame about, about my eating disorder. So that is a very vulnerable thing for me to talk about. But in the times that I've had, I was overwhelmed by how many people DM mm-hmm. me and said, I've experienced this too. But Um, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that if you are struggling with that and you're maybe not fully aware of it and you just go to, you know, not to slam good life or what, like just a regular gym and meet with a regular trainer. 20 year old dude. (laughs) Yeah. Like he may, this person may not be aware that. Like you need some specific support in your particular journey. So I love everything that you've shared with us today and the program that you offer and how you support clients. It's like, that could be life-changing for somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I think it is yeah thank you so much for having me
0: it's just a, this even this
2: hat the fact that we're having this conversation is in its in a nutshell is a is proof that this is all woven together and that wellness is not just about exercise and mental wellness is not just about um you know mental tasks there's just a big a dynamic between all these things for sure
0: going to um include links to you in our show notes and that way everybody can find you but just can you share with our audience now what is the best way for people to connect with you dara and to um learn more about your programs
2: so probably the easiest way is just to come to instagram and then you can link to my programs from there so on instagram it's mom bod love someone else has the mom bod love and doesn't use it which is infuriating so it's mom okay. <laughs> um, or you can search by my name because it's pretty rare dara bergeron um and you'll get on there you can link to belly boot camp if you're looking for kind of prenatal postnatal or you can link to mama reset if you're looking for an online community and then my feed is um as we've kind of already gone through there's a lot of like mobility strength body image that kind of stuff so that's a good place to find
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again. This was like, this was such a fun conversation. I was really looking forward to it. And um, we touched on a lot in this episode. It's value packed for sure. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Dara. I really appreciate it. Thank you. so much, uh, ladies. Thank you. Bye-bye.